Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. This series, we're talking about the promises of God. We're talking about the promises of God. And if you remember from last week, we'll kind of review a little bit. Because I'm sure if you weren't here last week, I'm sure you went and watched on YouTube or listened to the podcast and caught up. Okay, okay. Uh, I won't call you out anymore, I promise. Um, but uh, reviewing a little bit of last week, we were talking about the promises of God. And we talked about how there, you know, there's kind of two different promises. There's the universal promise, the promise that God is the written word, the thing that God promised humanity as a whole. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of like the rainbow uh, with with Noah and the ark and the flood and God saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flood the earth and, and destroy the earth like that ever again. That's a, that's a universal promise. Uh, but in this series, we're talking about what's called applied promises, uh, promises that you can uh, apply to your life and, and you have a role in it. It's promises for me. It's promises for, for our families. It's promises for our, our marriages, our, our children, uh, for our community, promises for our church. And so we're going to talk about these promises. And if you'll remember last week, our theme verse for this series is, is 2 Peter 1 and 4. And it says this, it says, God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Who knows, we need some promises that can help us escape from some of the evil desires in the world today. It's a little wild out there. It's a little, little, little wooly, little wooly, and uh, we need that. And so, what this is saying is that that prom- the promises of God do two things: they help you participate in God's divine nature, the super supernatural. These promises they they give you strength. They give you they give you power. They they lead you. They give you the wisdom in the situations that you're in, and they, they help you do things and accomplish things that you could never accomplish on your own. Have you ever gotten to a thing or gone to, to, got an opportunity in your life and you're like, I never would have figured that me being here would have led to this. And that's the, that's the promises of God. Those are allowing you to uh, participate in that divine nature. And then the second thing is that they help us escape from the corruption of the world caused by our own desires. You know, there's a lot of things that we kind of bring on ourselves if we'll, if we'll take, our time, take the time and just kind of admit it. Sometimes we kind of put ourselves in some bad situations. And God's promises can help us break out of that and break out of that cycle of sin or, or maybe that hurt or, or kind of um, pain that was brought on you by somebody in your life. God's promises help us break out of that. Or, or maybe it's a, a generational curse. Uh, maybe it's something that's in your life and, you know, it was, it was your grandpa and then it was your dad. And, and God's promises say, no, that stops right here. It's, it's going to stop and we're going to break that. Amen. Amen. And so I believe that that's what the promises of God uh, do in our lives. They allow us to, to participate in, in the supernatural, the divine nature of God. And then they, they also allow us to be able to, to escape and, and break out of, of the corruption that sometimes we bring on ourselves. And while God has made us a lot of promises, he's made us a lot of promises, I believe that, that they're all centered around four core promises. And you see it all throughout the scripture and it, and it kind of showed up in, in the book of Exodus with the, the Israelites when they were in captivity in Egypt. Anybody watch the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon? Yeah. If you're not going to do your morning devotional, you got to get your scripture somehow, right? 
So in, you know, in the Prince of Egypt, you see, you'll see the story of Moses. In the story of Moses and the Israelites, they were, they were held in captivity. Uh, if, you, if you go back in history, you'll remember Joseph in the coat of many colors, and there was a famine in the land, and, and they needed to, to find somewhere where they could survive. And so they were just looking for places. And, and they came into Egypt all good willing, and, and years and years passed, and they kind of faded into a life of, of captivity, and they became slaves and, and there's this point where they're just being so oppressed and so held back. And, and then comes along Moses, who's going who's gonna to bring them out and, and into the exodus, into the promised land. And, and Moses is wondering, like, how, how, do, I, how do I do this? What do, I, what do I say? And God says, I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak. And he says this in Exodus 6. And we read this last week. And he gives the, the Israelites four promises. And he says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That's the first promise is I will bring you out. And then the second, he said, I will free you from the, uh, from the being slaves to them. I will free you. I'll give you freedom. That's the second promise. And then the third, he said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a purpose. And then he says, fourthly, I, I will take you as my own people. I'm going to give you a community, a, a group of people to belong to, and I will be your God. And then, after these four promises, then you will know I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And so he, he gave these promises to the Jewish people. The Jewish people would call these the four I wills. The four I will promises. And, and they, they celebrate it every year during uh, the, the Passover celebration and they'll celebrate these four promises. But I believe that God, God still honors these promises. I believe they're still at the heart of God today. I believe that today God has these promises and he wants to give into your life. And I'll show you throughout the scripture that God wants to, to help you with this. And the first thing that he promised and that we're gonna kind of center our time around today is that I will bring you out. There in Exodus 6, it says, I will bring you out from under the yoke. I will bring you out. Now, Basically, God's saying, I'm going to bring you out of bondage. Some description, some, uh, some uh, versions or, or translations of the Bible say, I will bring you out of bondage. I will bring you out of the burdens that are on your life. And I think we all start there. We all have some burdens in our life that are, that are holding us down. It's, it's that kind of that heavy feeling, that, that weight in our life. And we're just kind of, we're going through life, we're pushing through, but we, we just have these things that are just holding us back. We feel like we never really get to the place of fulfillment. We never really get to the place of, of really feeling kind of free to things. And God says, if you ever want to get there, you got to let me bring you out. You've got to let me, let me take those things off of you. Let me, let me remove those things off of you. I will bring you out. God's promising that to the, to the Israelites, and I believe today he promises it to you and to me. And we all kind of begin there. But the, I believe that the devil's goal is to keep you there, is, is to keep you a slave to those things, those habits, those, those addictions, those, those worries, those, those things in our life that have us bound. And I'll, I'll show it to you through the story and, and relate it back to, to things in our life, some real life things. And in the original story, Pharaoh, he would keep the Israelites kind of, he would keep them down in three different ways. Uh, the, the scripture says that the, that the Israelites uh, were expanding, that their numbers were growing, and Pharaoh kind of became threatened that, that the Israelites were gonna be able to overtake the Egyptians. And, and he would do things to keep them kind of in their bondage. And, and these three things, I think they speak to our life today. 
And so, so first of the three things is first, he forced them as slaves to make bricks. So he, he forced them to make bricks. And so you remember the, the stories of the, all the pyramids and the, the great things of Egypt. The Israelites, historically, it was proven that the Israelites built those things. And but they did it. They didn't do it freely. They did it. They were slaves. They were, they were in, in bondage to that. And they had to do that. And, and whenever you think of the word slavery, I know we have our own connotations and thoughts of that. And often we, we kind of link that back to somebody be ruling over you and having control over you. But if you look up the, the basic definition of, of slavery, it is being submitted to a dominating influence. And so uh, while we can't re- relate to some of the, the historical pictures of slavery that we have, I do think we can relate to the fact of having a, a dominating influence that we have submitted ourselves to. I think we all uh, have found ourselves basically as, as slaves to our habits, to the things that, that we have, the, the addictions that we have. We, we've all found ourselves kind of, you know, submitted to a dominating influence in our life. Maybe, maybe it's debt. Maybe, maybe you've you found yourself kind of just living recklessly with your finances and now that debt's kind of got you restrained and you're not able to live out and go after the things that God has put in your heart because, because there's something that's holding you back. There's a dominating influence that's making decisions for you that you don't even really like. That's making you live a life that, that you don't even like. You, you've kind of gone so far down the path of this habit or, or, or this, this thing and you're just, you're living this life and you're not happy. You're, you're, not, you're not fulfilled Maybe you said it this way. You said, I feel trapped. You said, I feel trapped. I just kind of feel stuck in, in this life. I kind of feel stuck like I can't move this way. I can't go this way. I feel like I need, need, need to make a step, but I just can't. I just, I just feel trapped. I feel trapped in my life. Well, John 8, John 8 and 34 and 35 in the message, it says this. It says, Jesus said this. He said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped and a dead in life, and is in fact a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go as they will. I don't know about you, but sometimes you just, there's been a stages in your life where you probably felt like, I just, I just feel trapped. I just feel like there's places I want to go. I feel like there's things I want to do, but this influence in my life is kind of, uh, is dictating what I can do and where I can go, and, and we just feel trapped in our life. The second thing the second thing that the way that Pharaoh would kind of hold back and, and try to, to diminish the Israelites is, is he, he called, I told you that there was a, a time where, where the Israelites were expanding and, and their population was growing. They were, they were multiplying, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they were multiplying. And uh, so they were very happy people. And... Um, they were multiplying, and Pharaoh said, this can't happen. We can't, we can't have this come up. And so he ordered, he put an order out uh, for the mur- murder of all the young men, so all the babies uh, of the Israelites that were born. And they had to put their, their babies into the, the Nile River. And, and he was, in essence, trying to steal their future. He was trying to steal their future by drowning the babies. I believe that throughout history, I'm not trying to make a political statement, but throughout history, the devil has tried to kill babies in attempts to steal potential. There's potential in youth. There's potential in the upcoming generation. Uh, we, call, we call our City Hills kids future world changers because there's just potential. And I believe the devil will do anything to try to rob that. And that's what Pharaoh was doing to the Israelites. And 
I believe this represents what the devil is trying to do to you and me and is destroy our potential. Trying to destroy our potential. Some, some of you feel this way. You've asked, why, why do I feel unsatisfied? Why, 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 as I go and I'm pursuing these things, why do I feel just so empty? Maybe, maybe you said it this way. I, I just, I feel empty. I feel empty. You, you feel like you're just going through the motions. That you just go into that nine to five and, and you, you don't see any purpose there. You just, you just feel empty. You said, I, I, don't, I don't feel like there's any meaning to this. I, I, I don't know what the meaning of all this is. And here's the thing is, is that the greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is going your entire life and not knowing your purpose and your potential. I believe today that God has potential for you. I believe that he has a purpose for you. The word says that while you were in your mother's womb, he designed a purpose for you. Amen? Amen. I believe that God has, has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the devil is, the enemy is trying to conspire and move against you to take away that, make you feel empty. And I believe God wants to bring you out of that today. I think that my generation, I think uh, the millennial generation, we're not even going to talk about the Gen Zs because they're, they're messed up. I'm just joking. But I, I think that in our generation, there's, there's, this, is, this is the thing that we really struggle with. That we'll, we have so many options before us, and, and we'll just stand there and just look at them and just say, I, I don't know what to do. And you end up feeling empty. You feel like there's no potential. There's no option. We, we, we don't know how to just to move toward a thing and, and just really, really choose. And I think that's where the, the enemy wants us to stay. He wants you to get you in this place of, I guess I'll just stay in school for another year. I'll just, I'll just take on some more classes. I, I won't finish my degree. I just won't go after that. And, and, and we'll just get stuck there. And we'll, we'll, we'll feel empty. I remember a season in my life, I, I had... Uh, I always grew up wanting to go into journalism. Not, no, I, I know that's bad. That's bad terminology to these days. Journalists don't have the best reputation. There's a lot of fake news out there. You know, Fox News, NBC, all, all of it, you know. Uh, but, but I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be a sports journalist. Okay, let's just clarify that. I wanted to report on sports. I, uh, I learned at an early age that I was short and husky. And as much as I love sports... I was never going to go pro, much less even like to a D3 school. So like, it was just fortunate that I made the team in high school. So uh, I, I do want to admit that I did make varsity basketball my sophomore year. So I was just a stereotypical white kid that could stand on the three-point line, okay? But I made it. Um, but I realized at an early age that, that that wasn't in my future. So I wanted to go into sports broadcasting. I figured if I couldn't play it, I could just interview the guys that were good. And so um, I would just do that. And, but I, then there was a season in my life where I just kind of, I got to a point where I was just felt stuck. I felt, I felt kind of like I kind of lost my way. I had started interning at a church. I was doing a lot of good things. I was serving. I was, I was on the youth staff and but I kind of kind of got this point where I didn't know if I needed to go this way or that way. I didn't know if I needed to continue to follow that dream or if there was really something in my heart that God had kind of been setting me up for the whole time. And I, I got to this point of just feeling empty and just feeling stuck. And I remember I'll never forget the night on my bathroom floor in my apartment because I had to go to my bathroom because I didn't want to see the guys that lived with me to see me just weeping. But having to come to this decision of, God, what do you want me to do? And I just felt empty. And I believe that the enemy wants, wants you to just stay there. He wants to paralyze you with, with fear and anxiety and worry. What do I do? But I believe God wants to bring you out of that today. I believe God has a purpose for you today. 
And he'll, the enemy will stop you at any chance he can to rob you of your potential. But I'm telling you, God has a way out for you today. Amen? So the third thing that, that Pharaoh would do to be able to hold back and, and put the bondage on the Israelites is he would require them to collect their own straw. So he would require them to collect their own straw. So they had the straw that they would use in the mud pits to make the bricks. And, and originally, they didn't have to collect them. There would be this pile of straw at their, their, their mud pit every day when they would show up. And then Pharaoh said, nope, those days are over. Now you have to wake up earlier in the morning and you have to go collect your own straw. Basically, Pharaoh was saying, you know, if slavery wasn't enough, now you have to wake up earlier. I'm gonna add more, more work. I'm gonna add an extra, uh, extra load on you. I'm gonna add more hours to the day. And I'm convinced that that's the way that the devil operates today. I think he's trying to wear you out. I think, I think he's trying to make you so busy that, that, that you, just, you just lose focus. I believe that that's a, kind of a, a thing right now. Like, have, have anybody ever asked you kind of what, you, what you've been up to, how you've been? And you're just like, man, I've just been busy. I've been busy. I've been bu-. And then somebody that, you know, is an annoying person, they ask you more questions, a follow-up question. And they say, well, what, you, what have you been up to? Well, I mean, that was like, I was going to work, and I was, yeah. I guess I had a lot more time than I thought, but I've just been busy. We wear busy as a badge of honor. We, we, we wear it, and I believe that the devil just, he wants to, I know I'm, I'm talking about it, there's hope coming, but I believe, I believe he wants to just make you busy. I believe he wants to exhaust you. How many people know that you make your worst decisions when you're tired? Your worst decisions you always make when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when you're kind of living on the edge, uh, I can remember back to being a single man. Thank God I've been delivered. Um, but uh, I remember being a single man and, and not going to the grocery store and, you know, planning for being hungry. I was just hungry, and it was 10 o'clock at night, and I had no plan. I was tired, and I just got to eat before I go to bed. And so what do you do? You go to Whataburger. You, you go to Raising Cane's. You, you, you make the worst decision you could possibly make. You would eat Taco Bell and wonder why I have acid reflux. It's amazing. I started, I got married, started eating healthier, and I don't have to have a canister of Tums by my bed anymore. But you make the worst decision whenever you're stressed out, whenever you're tired. And I, I believe that there's so many of us that we're, we're living to the point of exhaustion. Maybe you said it this way. Maybe you said, I just feel exhausted. I just feel exhausted. And, and you know, it's, you know, it's a spiritual issue uh, because, you know, I don't think burnout comes from doing too much. I think burnout comes from doing too much that doesn't matter. You can't get burnt out on purpose. You can't get burnt out on doing good things. You can only get burnt out on filling your life up with things that don't really fuel your soul because it's a spiritual issue. It's not a physical issue. Have you ever gone on vacation and came back more tired? I talked to a couple in church uh, earlier between services, and they they had been on a a 20-some-odd-day vacation. Now, they were riding motorcycles. That sounds exhausting. Um, But uh, they they said, you know, I come back, and I just want to, I need a vacation from my vacation. Because because rest isn't a a physical state. Rest is a, a spiritual state. It's, it's something about our spirit. It's a, it's a spiritual place. And I believe the enemy wants to run us ragged. I believe he wants to make our souls so tired that we'll just take our focus on God, off God. It always amazes me when people say, you know, I got so much going on. We're so busy. Um, we just can't serve. We can't, we, can't come, we can't commit to a small group. We can't do these things. And I'm like, 
you're missing the point. You can go do all those things, but you got to prioritize things that are going to fill up your soul. Amen? I know Pastor Mitch talks about the sports thing, and I, I referred to sports a minute ago, but I, as, as not as good of an athlete as I was, my family, we did sports, okay? My dad loved sports. We, we played the sports. My sister, she's actually a really good athlete, um, but uh, she took it all. I don't know why God said, no, we're not going to give it to you. We're going to wait and give it to her. I'm not bitter about it at all. But we played all the sports. We played everything. I remember uh, I, at some point in my high school career, I, I decided I got to kind of trim back a little bit. But there was one fall season where I was, I was on the debate team, so I was going to debate tournaments every Saturday. I was on the golf team playing golf tournaments, and I was on the baseball team. And so we, we did everything. We were always on the go. We, I had a lot of meals in Tupperware containers in the car. And so it was just the thing we did. But I, all my coaches always knew, and I think, now I thank my parents. I didn't really thank them that time. But whenever I was a kid, you just don't have a choice. You're going to do what the parent says to do. Um, at least that's the way I'm going to raise my kids. <laughs> I haven't had them yet. So I, but, um, but I just remember that my parents always knew, me, my coaches always knew. 6.30 on a Wednesday night, Aubrey's got church. And so every single Wednesday, we could be going basketball practice. It could be going a little long. And, and my coaches knew, Aubrey, I know you got to go. It's, it's time. So I would go out and I, 45 minute drive to church. My mom and dad said, we like that church. It's in Austin. We lived in Smithville. That's a 45 minute drive. We're going to make it. So 630 on Wednesday nights, I was done. I'm going to church because my parents put in me a prioritizing time. We can do all of these things, but I'm going to prioritize making sure that my soul is rested, that my soul is in the right place. And I believe that our enemy wants to just get you so exhausted that you would take your eyes off of the purpose and the plan God has for you. Amen. Amen. So I said all that today. I want to give you a little hope. I had to get you to a point of knowing that you have a little bit of bondage on you. Okay. So I got you there, and maybe you're here today, and you're like, yeah, I am, I am tired. I, I do feel a little worn out. I do feel a little on edge. But I want to let you know that I, I've been praying for you, and I believe that God wants to speak to your life right now. The enemy has you feeling like you're in bondage, that you're trapped, that you're empty, that you're exhausted, but there's hope. There's hope. Whenever, whenever God said to the Israelites, I will bring you out, we see that again in the New Testament through, through the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus saying, if you'll, I give my life so that you can find your life. And that, that I will bring you out. God's saying, you know what, if you'll just accept me, if you'll receive me, I'll give you your life back. There's hope today that as, you, as he brings you out, you'll get your life back. In John 10 and 10, it says this. It says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the same spirit. It's the same spirit making you feel trapped, making you feel empty making you feel exhausted. He said, but I, Jesus speaking, I have come to give you life and that you may have life to the full. I believe today that God is wanting to speak into your life, into your situation and say, I'm here. I'm ready to give you fulfillment. I'm ready to give you freedom. I'm ready to break through in your life. Amen. First Peter says it this way. First Peter one. I love the way Eugene Peterson says it in the message. I'm sorry if you're a King James only. We could talk after church. But this is a good paraphrase, okay? It breaks it down for the simple man like me. So he says it like this. He says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have a brand new life. And we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. The future starts now. I believe God. I always believe that the end goal, like, that is, you know, you get saved and then you're just waiting to go to heaven. 
No, God says, I've got a life for you now to live. You know, Paul says that he says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yes, we gain something when we, when we get to go to heaven, but God says there's something to live for right now and I have a purpose for you. I want you to be an overcomer. I wanna bring you out. So before we leave today, there's two questions we need to look at. Two questions we need to look at. First off is, is how, do we, how do we get there? How do we get to this point of feeling exhausted, empty, trapped? How do we, how do we get there? And I think there's a lot of disappointment associated with, with being in bondage, with, with having something that's kind of controlling your life. And, and uh, we don't like admitting that we, that we have problems, that we, that we have something that we can't fix ourselves. You know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse in, in the American dream that we just kind of, we want to be able to do it. We want to be able to make it with our own hands. We want to we be able to pioneer, but we have, we have a, a hard time just admitting that, that we have a problem. And, that, that, and I think I just want to take the pressure off and say that we've all got there at some point. Whether, whether you know, you're here for the very first time or, um, or you've been walking with Christ for a long time, sometimes we just, we just kind of slip into things. We just kind of slip out of that relationship, that committed relationship with God. Sometimes you just, you just drift. You just found yourself there and you look back and you're like, I just, over time, I just, I just kind of drifted here. I think no more... Uh, has it been no, no more apparent in any time than the time we live in today, how you can just drift, how you can just get comfortable. I mean, it was comfortable last year, this time, sitting at home in your pajamas, watching church online, and then it was over, and then I can go back and take a nap, another nap. It was comfortable. And if you're not careful, you can, you can kind of miss, miss church a little bit, and it's easy not to go. It's easy not to do this. You can kind of miss reading. Uh, you, maybe you're trying so hard to build spiritual discipline in your life and, and you, you're starting a Bible reading plan and you can miss a day or two and you just kind of drift. And before you look up and you're like, well, seven days off, but you just, you just kind of drifted. You, you weren't intentionally walking away. You weren't intentionally saying no to God. You just, you just kind of drifted. And sometimes we just kind of drift to this place in our life. And maybe some of you, you just had a bad experience. You just had a bad experience. You had... Some, some issues in your life. Maybe, maybe it was, it was um, an issue, a bad experience with church. Maybe, maybe it was uh, a religion that kind of turned you off and it made you kind of mad at, mad at God. Maybe you had those issues and, uh, and somebody that you trusted, they, they just, they let you down. Or, or, or you started to realize they were, they were a little controlling or they were, something happened and it just kind of turned you off to that. I, I said my dad, he, he grew up in, a pretty strict upbringing, and I'm privileged to be raised in, in a spirit-filled church and, and stuff. But, you know, there was times where he kind of struggled. He, he struggled with his relationship with God. I never saw him struggle with his faith. It was always 100% what he believed, but he kind of struggled with really going all in because he just had this stuff where, you know, so much, he felt like so much had been taken away from him by the, the rules and the, the religion, the trappings that came with his upbringing. And it was just hard for him to kind of break through that. And maybe that's where you are today, where you're, you're realizing, you know what, there's just so many things that kind of, that kind of pulled me away. And I, I, I've been blaming the, the things that people did to me. I've been blaming it on God. I've been letting it affect my relationship with God. And, and I believe that the, the devil used that situation to put bondage on us. Maybe, maybe you've made bad choices Maybe, maybe you've just, you've kind of lived your life recklessly and, and you're feeling the guilt and, and, and kind of miserable about it, but, and, and you just kind of, 
you won't let yourself get there. You're just, you kind of disqualify yourself before you ever walk in the door. And maybe that's how you got there. You know that the, the Israelites, they never, they never intended to be slaves in Egypt. They never intended. They just, over the years, it just kind of happened. And they allowed that bondage to be put on them. And God says, I'm going to bring you out. He gives them hope. And so the better question I think we need to look at today is, is how do we get out? The, the first promise of God is, is to bring us out. So, so the question is, is what, what is my role? How do we get out? You know, salvation, I think, is kind of sometimes misconstrued. Um, and it turns into to religion. And being, getting saved is not joining a church. It's, it's not joining another Bible study. All these things are good, but that's not salvation. Salvation is saying, I'm going to give control of my life back over to Christ. I'm going to give control of my life back over to Jesus. And I think according to Scripture, there's, there's three things that we can do to experience this first promise of God in our lives. You ready for them? Good. Good. I'm glad you are because we're going there. We're going there. So the first thing, if you want to experience, if you want to be brought out of that, if you want to experience this saving grace in your life, is you have to make a move. You have to make a move. Now, the biblical word is repent. You have to repent. I know sometimes that kind of has some nasty connotations with it, but basically repentance is just changing your direction. It's as simple as that. There's so many times in our life where we're just kind of going one way, and all you have to do to repent is say, God, I'm sorry, I'm going this way. All you have to do is turn. It literally just means turn yourself, change your direction. We have to make a move. We have to make a move, and you, you've just got to make a decision. you just got to decide, I'm going this way. It's just a simple decision. It's kind of like losing weight. It was already quiet, but it got real quiet. It's kind of like losing weight. There's no, there's no magical formula to lose weight. I really wish there was, but there's really not. You're not going to get some pink drink that can just take all the weight away. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. You have to make a decision to eat clean. You have to make a decision to work out. You have to just make some decisions to say, I'm not going to live my life that way. I want to lose weight. You know, I remember growing up, does anybody remember the infomercials of the, the, uh, the belt that you would put on to get abs? It had a battery pack, and it was kind of like electric shocking your abs. And so they would just kind of do this little thing, and then you would have a six-pack of abs. It was pretty incredible. Um, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I did talk my mom into buying me one of those in high school. They had it at Walmart, as seen on TV. This is incredible. And so I had one of those things, and you just, I would put it on. Nothing ever happened. I was still pudgy. And so you, there's no magic formula. You just have to make a choice. You just have to decide, I'm going to make a move. Today is the day. I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm so bad at that at saying, you know, tomorrow I'll start my diet. You know, I've been eating bad all weekend, so let me just take this couple days, and then tomorrow I'll start. I'll start fresh. And tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow never comes. Makes me almost want to sing a Garth Brooks song, but I'm going to get back to my notes. <laughs> Second Corinthians says it like this in chapter 6. It says, therefore, come out from them. Be separate says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and then I will receive you. You have to just come out. You have to come out, and there's such a promise on the other side of that. I always thought, you know, you just have to separate yourself. we got to live different than the world. And I thought that's kind of where that scripture ended, but it goes on, and it's so much better. And he says, and if you'll do that, 
I will be your father, be a father to you. You will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God's saying, if you'll just make a move, if you'll just turn to me, I'm gonna come to you. I'm gonna embrace you. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna give you a purpose, a plan. I'm so thankful for these three people that decided to, to clap for God calling you into his family. It's time to make a move. It's time to change directions. Just make a move, make a decision. The second thing is you have to let, let it go. You have to let it go. It, I, it was such a good illustration. I gotta, remember, I gotta bring it back that Pastor Mitch said a few weeks ago is you just gotta get it to Elsa's spirit. You just gotta let it go. Let it go, let it go. Now you'll have it in your head all day. And we're gonna have to delete. I'll, fortunately, I run a lot of stuff with our media, so I'm gonna edit that part out of the, out of the sermon. But you gotta let it go. The biblical word is surrender. You've gotta surrender some things. So many of us live our life just wanting to hold on to things. We just live our lives. We've, we've accepted Christ. We've been saved, but we just wanna hold on. We like the salvation part, but to get real biblical on you, we don't like the sanctification part. We don't like the growing in our faith. We don't like the developing. We don't like becoming mature in our faith. We wanna hold on and God's saying, you gotta let it go. If you wanna come out, you just you gotta let it go. You've gotta let go control. You, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. Several years ago, I went on a group trip to the Royal Gorge outside of Colorado Springs. Anybody ever been to the Royal Gorge? It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Sorry. Thank you. Um, Pastor Mitch will be back next week. It'll be good. Um, but I went to the Royal Gorge, and if you don't know about it, it's, it's this massive gorgeous that word for canyon, I guess. Went to a small school. That's how I made the varsity basketball team. Um, but it, it was, it's 1,200 feet deep. And so there's this suspension bridge that goes across the Royal Gorge. And uh, when you get on it, um, it's not good if you're afraid of heights. And I'll be honest with you, when I get right here, I get really scared. I'm not so nervous to look at you when I just, when I'm looking down. I'm looking down because I'm terrified that I'm gonna step off of this. I'm not good with heights. And as you get on this bridge, it's, it's wooden slats. And there's some pretty big gaps in these wooden slats. And if that's not worse, and it's not, not, if that's not bad enough being able to see all the way death, down to your death, there's cars that are driving across it. And you can just feel this thing kind of sway in. And I'm like, you know, we do have like more technology. We can actually build a concrete bridge or a metal bridge. This, anyway, at the Royal Gorge, there's this, this, this thing they call the sky coaster. It's built into the side of, of the canyon and, and you've probably seen it at Six Flags or something. It's the thing where they strap you and a few of your you know, crazy friends into it and you're kind of like you know, Superman and uh, they pull you back and then it's just a big pendulum and you swing out. And at Six Flags, you know, you're just overall you know, flat ground as if that really matters. You're still gonna die if anything. I guess this one you have a better view though, because it swings out over, it swings out over the canyon. And so whenever you're getting hooked up into, into this harness, they tell you, okay, somebody's gotta pull the rope. Somebody's gotta pull the cord. And we all three look at each other and everybody was like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And somehow I was the lucky person that had to do it. I'm the, and I'm just sitting here terrified, terrified. I'm quiet, I keep it to myself. 
but I'm terrified. I may have had to change my underwear afterwards. It was, it was awful. But they told you whenever, you, whenever we pull you back, we're gonna start to count. And as soon as we count, that means everything is set. It's all ready to go. So we encourage you, you gotta pull the cord right away. Because if you wait to three, you're not gonna pull it. And so I had watched people as we were getting ready go up and they pulled them back. They counted to three, they didn't pull the cord. They brought them back down. They said, you gotta pull the cord. They took them back up. They got there, they counted to three, they didn't pull the cord, so they brought them down. Everything was set up. All they had to do was pull the cord. So I, bound, I was bound and determined in my mind that as soon as they started to count, I was gonna pull that cord. And, and sure enough, they started to count. They said, one, I missed that one. I didn't do it there. But as soon as they hit two, I just pulled that cord as tight as we could and off we were at. And it was amazing. It was the most amazing experience. I'll probably never do it again, but it was amazing. It was incredible. But you just have to pull the cord. And today you just gotta pull the cord. You just, you just, gotta, you just gotta let it go. You just gotta say, you gotta admit that you can't do it all yourself. If you could have, you already would have. So many people always say, I could, I could stop watching that at any time. I, you know, I, I, don't have a, I don't have an issue. I, I, could, I could stop drinking so much at any time. It doesn't really have control over me. I just, I, just, I just like it and I could stop at any time. It doesn't really have control over me. Then just stop. Today is the day just to let it go. Give control back over to God. I love the way it says it. I love the way it says it in, in Mark 8 and 34. It says, anyone who t- intends to come with me has to let me lead. This is Jesus talking. He said, if you wanna come with me, you have to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. It's pretty direct. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all, but self-sacrifice is the way. It's my way to saving your life, to saving yourself. If you're gonna follow God, if you wanna come out of this thing that's weighing you down, that's making you feel empty, making you feel held back and exhausted, you've gotta let him lead. You've just gotta give it over to him. You've gotta trust him. And the third thing, the third thing is you have to commit your life. You have to, to commit your life. You see, we have, uh, we do freedom, a freedom curriculum. Anybody ever gone through our freedom curriculum? Those are the people that are free. The rest of you are doing it in the fall. So I would encourage you to join our freedom course. It's, a, it's an amazing uh, course that kind of walks you through things. And I know sometimes you, say, you hear freedom and you think, I, I ain't got nothing I need to be freed of. We all got something we need to be freed of, even if it's some, some crazy people in our past or that we need to forgive or whatever. We, we got some things we need to be freed of, but at the end of this, this semester of these classes, it ends with a conference. And if, if you've done the freedom course, but haven't done the conference, you didn't do the freedom course. You gotta go through the conference. And in the conference, at the end of it, we say, okay, we spent all this time, these last 10 weeks, we, we've been talking through all this stuff. We're trying to get all this, this stuff out of us. These, this day at this conference, we're trying to get all this stuff out of us. Now that you've got something out of you, you need to put something in you or else you just got a hole. And, and I wanna tell you today that as God brings you out, as you come out of something, you need to walk towards something. You need to walk toward a relationship with God. God's calling you to a relationship. He's calling you not just to, to, to know about him, he's calling you to know him. We're not created to just experience and come in and get goosebumps in the presence of God. We're, we're called to encounter the presence of God. We're called to know God. Romans 6 and 19 says it like this. 
It says, just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity and in ever increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. God says, you know those things that used to bind you? You know those things that you used to give all your time to and let it just rule your schedule? If you could do it for that, I need you to do it for me. I need you to commit yourself to me. I need you to, to, to commit to a relationship with me. Let's go all in. Let's, let's have a, a true, intimate relationship. I don't want you just to know me, know about me. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. You, you've got to get past our religious rituals. And you've got to really know God. You've got you've to really lean in and encounter God. And I'll close with this scripture. I'll close with this scripture, and I love it. It's Jesus talking to a group of people that have come to him, and they're, they're, saying, they're saying this to him. They say, or Jesus is saying this back to him. He says, you know, not everyone who sees me, I mean, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know, many, many will say to me on that, that day, they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? And did we not perform, perform miracles in your name? And then I will tell them, I never knew you. And I think one of the greatest tragedies in life is that we could go through life going to church, doing all these things, but not really knowing God. And I want us today, if you're feeling trapped, if you're feeling empty, if you're feeling exhausted in your soul, I want you to come to know God today. I want you to encounter God. I want you to commit to a relationship with God today. This is just the starting point, but I'm encouraging you to commit to a relationship, amen? If that sounds good, would you stand? Put your hands together, would you stand? And let God know that we're committing our lives to you today. Amen, amen. I wanna pray for you real quick. If that's you today, with every head bowed and, and every eye closed, I wanna pray for you. If you say, you know what, I, I feel trapped. I feel, I feel exhausted. I feel like there's just an empty void. I just, you know, I'm going to my, my job every day, but I don't see the purpose in it. And I'm ready for God to just bring me out of that. I'm ready for God to give me that purpose. I'm ready for God to set me free of those things. And I wanna start that process today. I wanna make a fresh start with God. Would you raise your hand? If that's you, would you raise your hand all across the house? Let me, let me lead you in this prayer. I can't say it for you, but... Let me lead you in this prayer. God, today we come to you and we say we're sorry, God. We're sorry for doing it our own way. We're sorry for trying to, to control things ourselves. Today, today we commit to letting it go. Today we commit to letting you lead the way. We're gonna follow you with everything we have. Today we say we're sorry and, and, and we choose to make you Lord of our life. We believe that there is power in your death, burial, and resurrection. And today we allow for that power to come into our hearts. Make us new, make us fresh. Remove the chains, move, remove the bondage that's holding us back from the life you called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit CityHillsTX.com 
www.thepowerofpowerchurch.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.